We are excited to welcome you to the second episode of Live to Give More. We will discuss ways to have impact in our communities and around the world. We will introduce our audience to inspiring ideas and people who are making significant changes. Together, we will navigate how we can all better serve others and spread kindness. We decided to create this podcast in order to do our part and give our listeners ways to take action and be the change. My name is Anna G. Ehrlich, and I'm a wife, mom, marketing and events professional who serves the nonprofit world in many capacities. I am better when I am able to improve the world. My name is Alicia Bonwit, and I am a wife, mom, attorney, author, and business owner who has been fortunate to serve in leadership roles and volunteer opportunities through several nonprofit organizations. My motto is give more than you take. We are friends who have a variety of experiences, skills, and opinions that will make you think, cry, and laugh, but mostly expose you to special ways to give back. We will inform you about what is going on in the world and what you need to know about how to make a difference. So let's get started. So September is Childhood Cancer Awareness Month. It is a month that we should bring awareness to childhood cancer and stand up against cancer. People are encouraged to share, volunteer, advocate, fundraise, and or donate in order to take action this month. Every year, there are over 250,000 new cases of cancer that affect children under the age of 20 worldwide. That's over 700 kids diagnosed with cancer every single day. Despite this, childhood cancer research is severely underfunded. Unfortunately, we can't count on federal funding to help kids with cancer. Not only has there been an alarming decrease in budgets, but less than 4% of the NCI's federal funding goes towards research for all childhood cancers combined. Cancer is the leading cause of death by disease for children in the U.S. Survival rates can vary depending on the type of cancer. About 420,000 childhood cancer survivors live in the U.S., with many more around the world. We are thrilled to interview our good friend Joanna Siegel, the founder and president of the Childhood Cancer Project. Joanna has been an active member of our community, always generous and thoughtful about how to make an impact. She's committed to meaningful philanthropy. Several years ago, she founded the Childhood Cancer Project to offer hope to all those affected by childhood cancer. The Childhood Cancer Project is dedicated to fighting rare childhood, adolescent, and young adult cancers. Its goal is to make a difference through research by funding gifted scientists so they can develop groundbreaking treatments and cures. In just a few years, this important organization has been a catalyst for pioneering research, the trusted sources of information, the voice of childhood cancer community, and a supportive network. We admire Joanna's tenacity and dedication. We are inspired by this statement on the project's website. Like the brave children and families that inspire us, we are relentless. Like the brilliant and dedicated scientists pioneering breakthrough research, we are bold. Like the generous community that supports us, we are united. People join our mission. Help us lead the way in treating and defeating childhood cancer. I love that. Welcome, Joanna. Thank you for being with us today to address childhood cancer and how we can become more aware and take action. We wanted to ask you some questions today, and here we go. So what inspired you to start the Childhood Cancer Project? And what is your organization's message? First of all, thank you so much for having me. 
I'm honored to be here and be part of um, your new adventure. This is going to be incredible for everyone. And I'm really honored to be a part of it. So childhood cancer has always been one of my causes. It dates back to about 20 years ago when my first husband was diagnosed with leukemia. He was treated at MD Anderson Cancer Hospital in Houston, Texas. And we had a one-year-old and a three-year-old at the time. And he was really sick and we knew he wasn't going to make it. And when he was sick, the doctors would ask him to walk, take a certain amount of steps every day, walk a certain amount of floors, go around to the pediatric ward, go around to the breast cancer ward. He was fighting leukemia. So we took that on. And every day we try to walk around the hospital and it was apparently good for his lungs. They wanted him out of bed and moving. And so we started walking around the hospital. And when we would get to the pediatric ward, we would always say, thank God it's not our children. Thank God it's one of us and not our child. He, after 11 months of fighting, he died. And immediately childhood cancer became my cause for a lot of reasons, but specifically for what I was witnessing in the hospital when I was with him. Additionally, as a child, I spent a lot of summers in Memphis, Tennessee, which is where St. Jude's is located. And while I was there, I was visiting family and I would end up volunteering as a teenager at St. Jude's. So childhood cancer was always on my radar in the back of my mind. When my husband passed away, I moved to South Florida and got very involved with an organization called um, High Lifeline and began volunteering there, you know, was sending checks to every childhood cancer organization that we all, you know, have heard of. So even the day actually before my son was diagnosed, I was um, volunteering at the hospital where he ended up being diagnosed at. I had been visiting other families with children with cancer. So for some reason, it's always been on my radar. Then in 2004, 15, my son Joshua, who at the time was 11, was diagnosed with a rare form of cancer called osteosarcoma, which is a bone cancer. And we, as a family, were so shocked to find out the statistics. We had been giving to all these organizations, but we never really understood the lack of funding that research received. And that was kind of the catalyst. Joshua, on his 12th birthday after finishing treatment, he made this wish saying that he wanted to find a cure, that kids didn't need in a section or on our website, if you want to ever check it out. There's a video of him saying, I wish for a cure because kids don't need toys and they don't need visits and they don't need trips. We need a cure. And what was our catalyst, I guess, is the fact that when Josh was diagnosed, we were told that he was going to be treated with these antiquated chemotherapy drugs that were over 40 years old. They had been developed over 40 years ago for the cancer that he had, and there had been no developments in the last 40 years. And at that point, my husband and I looked at each other. We're like, what do you mean 40 years old? You know, you see on television, these ads that kids are surviving and you read about all these statistics and they're kind of misleading. And that's kind of what, you know, made us want to do something in research in addition to the fact that one of my really good friends has a child, a daughter who had decided that she wanted to do something for Joshua. And so she decided to do a fundraiser. She cut her hair off and she raised $5,000 and 
she and her mom came over one day and gave me this big check. And they're like, Joanna, here's a check. We don't know who to give it to. Can you please do something meaningful with it? And at the time we started kind of, it was right after Josh's birthday. So we had just heard his wish that he wanted to find a cure for cancer, for childhood cancers. And she gave us this check and we were like, wow, this is a lot of money from a little girl. And we felt the responsibility of doing something really important with that check. Really important. Not just, you know, giving it to these organizations that we all have heard of on television. We started investigating, you know, what happens when you give the money to these organizations. And we were terrified to find out that some of these and a lot of these organizations take up to 50% of the funds that are donated for administrative costs. And we just felt like that was not an option. Not when we were getting this kind of check from this little girl, we felt a lot of responsibility. And so we started contacting researchers and they kind of told us that there was not an organization doing what we wanted to do, which was specifically fund rare childhood cancer research. And that's how it came about. Josh came up with the name. He did not want to be involved in it at all. And that's how it started. We started this about 2017 and it started with a $5,000 check from a little girl named Sophia Gozi. <laughs> wow. Joanna, I knew some of this, but I didn't know everything. So thank you for sharing. I know this is a personal matter for you. And I think it's important to share this with the rest of the world so they really understand why you started this and what the issues are in this particular field. So since you started Childhood Cancer Project, what would you say are your biggest challenges or obstacles that you and the organization face in terms of trying to accomplish what you want to accomplish? So I think there's three really big challenges. First of all, I'm going to say it. One of them is fundraising, especially right now with COVID. There's just so many amazing causes and so many incredible organizations out there. It's hard to fundraise, especially for something as ugly as childhood cancer. Nobody wants to see the pictures of what it really looks like. It's scary. It's ugly. So I would say definitely fundraising is one of them. The second would be misinformation. We have a bunch of organizations out there with these cute little ads with these little bald kids that are twirling and whirling around in pink tutus and they're touting these statistics that are untrue in general for childhood or pediatric cancer. I think that these ads and these commercials in a way do great things by funding institutions that help a lot of people, but they're not necessarily funding research that has been neglected. So that'll be the second one. And the third one would be the lack of communication in the medical field. Doctors and researchers don't really like to share information. And we are funding research. In other words, we're funding information. And probably the biggest issue that we're facing, bigger than the other two, is that doctors don't share information. So you can have doctors all over the world working on the same research. And the guy in Italy already knows it didn't work but doesn't want to share that information or the guy in China, you know, had this incredible breakthrough and also doesn't want to share it. There's a lot of ego involved. So I would say those are the three issues we really deal with on a day-to-day basis. So when we specifically fund research, we make sure that the research is shared, that it doesn't, it's not proprietary. That's interesting. And, you know, to learn from you, as you're saying, how dangerous it is and scary when they don't share, because that's how it doesn't move forward. So that's interesting. It's all right. So tell us what's next. What are your new projects? What are the goals 
that your organization is striving for. So in the past, we were absolutely an event-based organization. We had lots of events such as auctions, in-store sale events. We had trips. We've hosted parties. We've done lots of a-thon events like a run-a-thons or marathons or walk-a-thons. We've done a lot of online events. And these events were incredible because they raised awareness. They you know, supported us and they increased our funding, but they were transactional. They were in a way entertainment events. And right now I think we're trying to focus on being more of a transformational organization, meaning that we'd like to educate our donors so that they can become long-term supporters, not just one-time donors. Do you have specific ways that you want to do that in terms of educating your donors? I think that's a great idea. You know, it's a really hard thing to do because like I said, childhood cancer is ugly and it's very hard to get people to learn about the statistics and to learn about the morbidity and the side effects, all the ugly things that come with it. But we're currently interviewing nonprofit consultants And we're hoping to hire a part-time employee to help us with fundraising and and coordination because for the last four or five years, it's really been a grassroots effort. Everybody from my friends and family to physicians and researchers have really been running the show. 100% of every donation we've received, every single penny has gone to research. Every event has been underwritten. And so right now we're kind of in a place where we're trying to grow and we're having some growing pains. We're trying to figure out what's next, how to do it. We really love our mission statement in regards to 100% of all donations going to research. But at the same time, we understand that in order to grow, that might have to change. And that's kind of what we're struggling with at the moment. Well, I think that's amazing that you recognize that and you're taking the steps, whether it's through consultants or through the people that you work with already in trying to improve and educate others. What would you say your leadership style is and how do you continue to inspire others? Because I know you inspire people, you've inspired me. And how do you keep that going and what's your style? I am definitely a democratic leader, kind of work backwards. I figure out what our goal is. And then I kind of ask everybody, how should we do this? We share opinions, we go through the benefits, the negatives, where we work together, it really enhances team spirit. It it gives us a sense of cooperation, of trust. It allows for creativity and growth. And it's not perfect, but it's worked for us. Our board meets once a month. Board is made up of incredible human beings, which include like friends and family, as well as a scientific board that helps us and guides us when it comes time to funding the researchers. So I would definitely say um, democratic leadership and we all kind of work together. We have said this a lot of times, but it really takes a village. And I definitely could not have done anything without my community. Everything started because of my community. So that, that's an interesting, I'm going to segue into this next question, which is, which is an interesting one is which current community leaders inspire you or who, who do you sometimes look into or look up to and say, you know what? I got to gather a little bit, you know, of, of inspiration. And also, do you have a motto or a quote that gets you through the day or, or 
says, you know what, this is how I'm going to move forward and how I'm going to move the organization forward. So personally, my son is not cured. He is, they consider him NED, no evidence of disease. But for the type of cancer that he has, he is doing well. Most of the children that we know that have had osteosarcoma and were diagnosed when he was diagnosed have passed on. So every day is a gift. And most days I wake up and I say the serenity prayer as, you know, cliche as it may sound. I thank God for granting me the serenity to accept things I cannot change, the courage to change the things I can and the wisdom to know the difference. That's what I live by. I, I am grateful for each day. That little prayer helps me get through every day. The person I admire the most, just because his whole campaign has touched me so much, would be Philip Anschultz. He's a philanthropist, and he started the Foundation for Better Life, and he values honesty and caring and optimism and courage. And he started this Pass It On campaign, and I'm sure you guys have seen the billboards or the commercials where, you know, every single time I see them, I cry. But you know, he's not in there. It's not about him. It's not about any specific person or thing. It's just about doing the right thing. And so I don't know as much about him as I probably should. And I know he's a little controversial, but I love his message that it's loud and clear and in your face. And at the same time, you know, it's not about him. It's just the right thing to do. So tell us, how is Joshua doing? I mean, six years later, you know, through COVID, through all these different things that, you know, that we've all experienced, but not at his level. How is he doing? How does he, you know, tell me where he is in life. I remember him as a little boy. So, you know, where is he nowadays? He's great. He's in 11th grade. He had a lot of treatment and he had a 20 hour surgery on his arm. And so he has limited mobility of his left arm, but he has his arm and he is alive and well. And he is enjoying being alive. This year, he became really passionate about basketball and is playing basketball. He loves his friends. He loves school. Just wants to be a normal kid. Well, everything you're saying, first of all, I think it takes so much courage for you to open up about this and share it with the world. And I think it's making a huge impact. I know it is. Knowing what you know now and everything you've gone through, and I know you've gone through a lot of hardships that you've shared with us that I'm aware of otherwise, And thank you for sharing that. What advice would you tell your 21-year-old self? Oh, my gosh. (laughs) Right? It's a toughie. That is a toughie. I just tell her to breathe. That it's going to... I don't want to say it's going to be okay. Because from the second Josh was diagnosed, I kept saying nothing will ever be okay again. And it's not that it's not okay. Everything is just different. It's perspective. Every day is such a gift. So I would, I guess, tell myself to prepare for a bumpy road and, you know, stay strong because I'm, I would, I'm, you're going to need it is what I would say. Just stay strong. Thank okay. you for that. I think that's great that's, advice. And even in the short amount of time together, we've really learned a lot about what inspires you, why we should be inspired to take more action. We want to get into how our audience, now that they know a little bit about what's going on with childhood cancer and what your organization's doing, Can you tell us a little bit about volunteer opportunities and possible action steps that we can all take to help you, your organization, to fight childhood cancer? I think sharing information is great. If you could maybe during Childhood Cancer Awareness Month and beyond, maybe share a little information with people that you know or don't know. Um, 
social media. As far as the Childhood Cancer Project goes, we, you know, we don't collect toys and distribute them. We have great events that you can come and support us at. But at the end of the day, it's really about dollars and cents. We do one thing and we do it well, which is research, research, research. Please join us at any board meetings. The best place to probably find us is online. You can go to our website, www.thechildhoodcancerproject.org or on social media, also the Childhood Cancer Project or on Instagram, on Twitter. You could join us at a meeting. You could join us at an event. We've got a bunch of organizations that have partnered with us. You can become a, a corporate sponsor. You can do a matching program with your business. Just share information. I think that that's probably the most important yeah. thing to share the statistics that you shared earlier, Anna, childhood cancer is the number one leading cause of death by disease in children in the United States of America. And at the same time, as a whole, childhood cancer receives less than 4% of the NCI's budget. So those statistics are not okay. You know, write to your senators and demand more for our children. Our, our children, our grandchildren deserve yeah. more than 4%. Absolutely. So so what can we do, you know, is what we want to do with this podcast. It just seems unsurmountable to overcome childhood cancer. But if we can do something, we can make a difference. We started this podcast to encourage all of you to join us in giving more. We want to live to give more. That's the name of this podcast. So Elise is going to share with us several action steps. So just to kind of repeat a lot of what Joanna said, and I mean, this has really been really helpful. The information that we did our research and just knowing you for the length of time that I've known you, I've learned a lot about childhood cancer and how we can help. So for anyone who's listening, it's really important. It's all about raising money, donating funds somehow, whether it's through personally or through your corporation, join a run, support any of the drives for local hospitals if you can. Donate your time, volunteer. You can attend a board meeting, which Joanna just talked about. Recruit other volunteers, which I think is really important. Become an advocate to support any programs that fund and fight childhood cancer. So many of these can be found on the website, thechildhoodcancerproject.org. So just pick at least one thing to do this week and tell us about it on our Instagram account. Follow us on Live to Give More. And also be supportive. If you know somebody out there who has a child who's suffering with this horrific disease, sometimes listening, helping somebody with dinner, helping them with their carpool, doing something to show them that you are there just to be an extension of them is great. Do what you can and always live to give more. So I just want to thank Joanna for being with us today. It's been a really insightful and helpful conversation. Joanna, is there anything else that you want our audience to know I know we covered a lot today, but is there anything that's on your mind that has not been discussed? One thing. Tell us. My partner in crime in this organization is this incredible woman who's a mother, a teacher, a lawyer, and an, a marathon runner, a triathlon winner. She's in the Guinness Book of World Records. Her name is Karen Lubetsky, and you could follow her on Chasing Karen. And she raises money for the Childhood Cancer Project by going on these incredible Ultra marathon. Can you spell that out? It's Chasing Karen, C A R Y N. So Chasing Karen. Okay. You can find her on social media, and she does the most incredible job of raising awareness and raising money for childhood cancer research. And this interview would not have been complete without mentioning her and thanking her for everything she's done, and hoping that you guys will follow her and support her. 
Yeah, I've met Karen. She is amazing, really, the incredible things she does to help you, your organization, just the community at large. So, Joanna, it has been a pleasure to speak to you. We're good friends, but from this perspective, really just sitting down and talking about everything you've done, I've seen it firsthand. You are an inspiration to me, to others, anyone who has seen you go through this. And thank you for everything you have done. And thank you for being part of Live to Give More and teaching us today more about childhood cancer and what we can do to help. Thank you, Joanna. Thank you very much. Thank you for educating all of us more than anything else and for making your journey a platform for all of us to become more educated. So all the best to you, to your family, to Joshua, to everybody. Good things to come. Thank, thank you, Joanna. Keep up the good fight and we'll help you. Thank you for putting a spotlight on Childhood Cancer Project during Childhood Cancer Awareness Month. Thank you. Okay.